walking into a birthday party just a couple weeks ago, and the uh, guy with the, Rhonda made me think of this this morning, the guy with the, uh, having the birthday, who was a friend of ours, and he walked up to me and he put his arm around me, and he said, uh, you're a celebrity. And I said, I'm not anybody's celebrity. What are you talking about? He said, you have to be a celebrity. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I heard Buford Kegley mention your name on the radio, so you got to be a celebrity. <laughs> so Buford is a wonderful guy, and uh, if Buford uh, may be watching, we, we love you and we appreciate you and look forward to someday seeing you in our house again. And we want to again say to, our, to Rhonda and Daniel, how good it is to see you both here today. Well, we want to welcome all of those of you that are listening to us on Lift Him Higher Radio, Mike Springston, FFC, um, YouTube, and of course our Facebook channel, and those of you that will come on later. We thank all of those of you who have done the worship music today. Wasn't it beautiful? Give them a great round of applause. Now, uh, today we're going to talk about the revelation of cooperation from Matthew chapter 16. And so, if you will, stand with me, and we will look into the Scripture in Matthew 16 and 19 that we're using as the foundation text for the, for the message of uh, the revelation of cooperation. Here's what the Word said. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, as you read that, can you see the revelation of cooperation? Father, we thank you for the word of God. We pray that you would open our eyes, that we can see in our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. And then that we might be allowed to apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear son. Father, we yield, surrender, and sanctify ourselves to the preaching of your word today. May your word come forward from the throne room of God as Jesus Christ, our man in the Godhead, speaks to the Holy Spirit. May we be yielded to that Holy Spirit and speak the word of God in truth as Jesus Christ, our man in the Godhead, speaks. We yield ourselves to that end and we praise you for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our high priest, Lord and God. Amen and amen, and you can be seated. Cooperation is a strange thing. Um, why is that? It's because getting people to agree and getting people to come under the idea that allows us to all head in the same direction, sometimes and in some places and in some circumstances, is not an easy thing to do. Getting people to cooperate even in their household. Getting children to cooperate with their parents. Getting people on the job to cooperate is sometimes just not an easy thing to do. But where the church is concerned, Jesus opened the idea of cooperation. And showed how cooperation, the revelation of cooperation in the church, would manifest itself. That's what we're going to look at from Matthew 16 today. 
So far, we've seen Jesus identify himself as the Son of Man. And of course, we know that that, and you've got to get this, because if you grab a hold of what I'm talking about, you will see why the church has been brought into the specifics of being able to cooperate with him. Now, who is the church? It's you and me. So in the Son of Man, we saw him as the Jesus who died on the cross. Well, if you don't cooperate with him in that capacity, guess what? You can't be saved. You have to cooperate with the Son of Man's activities and accomplishments in order to know that you have been born, that you have been saved and forgiven, and that your transgressions, iniquities, lost peace, spiritual and physical healing have been accomplished for you. Now I'm going to show you something today about this concept of spiritual and physical healing. I hope to as I get through today. So I, I will either do it this morning or tonight. But we've haggled about whether spiritual and physical healing were accomplished by the work of Jesus on the cross. Well, we know Him as the Son of Man. So in the Son of Man, we see Him as the Jesus of the cross. But we also see Him as the High Priest of the tabernacle. Now, we see Simon Barjona identify Him as Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, I want to stop here a second, and I want to show you something. It is imperative that we understand why Jesus referred to Simon as Simon Barjona. There was a specific reason for that. Well, that reason was because when Simon Barjona called him Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus turned around and looked at him and said, Thou, you, are Simon Barjona. You are Simon, who is the son of Barjona. Now, Jonah is Jonas in the Greek. It is Jonah. But Jesus said to him, You have a father. The Spirit of God has just revealed to you that I also have a Father. Because flesh and blood didn't tell you this. But the Spirit of God, and so I'm saying to you, you need to recognize what your father, Simon Barjona, gave you. Well, let's look at who Simon Barjona was. Well, we see Simon Barjona and... He had attributes of his dad. In other words, obviously his dad had some leadership qualities because Peter was a leader. Obviously, his dad had some skill to work because Peter was a fisherman. Obviously, his dad had a venturesome spirit because Peter was willing to leave what he knew to follow after Jesus. Obviously, his dad had a little bit of self-centeredness in him because Peter was the one in this very text in Matthew 16 who the Bible said rebuked Jesus for telling them that he was going to go to Jerusalem and there he would suffer and die. So Jesus looked at, at Simon and Barjona and said, What you have from your father... 
I also have from my father. You've got attributes that identify your father. When I look at myself, when I look at my sister, I can see attributes of my dad in both of us. When I look at my brother, I can see attributes of my dad in both of us. Now, I'm the one that gets the most from my family about being like dad. They'll look at each other and chuckle and say, that was dad. That was dad would have done that. Dad would have said that. Dad would have acted like that. Dad would have. My father could crush the English language. I mean to tell you, not in a good way either. Dad could say things that you would look at and shake your head and say, how in the world did you get that out of that word? My father referred to discipline as discipline, for instance. He would say, that, that, that football team right there doesn't have any discipline. I'd say, Dad, where did you get that out of that word? He said, that's the way it's pronounced. Right out of Glenville, West Virginia. I mean, he would do things and say things. And so whenever I come up with my little terms that I often use, people look at me and say, that's your dad. You got the attributes of your dad. Well, when Simon Barjona called him Christ, the son of the living God, this is what he was saying to him. He said, the spirit of God has just revealed to me that you have the attributes of your father. Now, what were the attributes of his father? Well, we know those attributes as the attributes of Jehovah, Elohim. We know those attributes as the attributes of uh, the Breasty One, the, the Jehovah Jireh, all of those great terms. And I want to remind you that I wrote about in my book. He said all of those attributes that we saw in the father, I'm seeing in you. The Spirit is telling me that you have all of those. And he turned to Simon Barjona and said, just like you have of your father, just like you are doing what you do, saying what you say, looking at what you're looking at, you're looking at, looking at what you look like, all of those represent your father. They all come out of you. So he said, Simon Barjona, you have heard from the Spirit of God. You have heard that I am the Christ, the Son of the Spirit, the, the living God. Now, this was a wonderful revelation because it brought about the revelation of cooperation. Now, we have seen the revelation of identification. Now we're going to look into the revelation of cooperation because if you don't see him in the defined, divine qualities of his father, then you will never be able to identify with him and cooperate with him through those divine qualities. Well, what are those divine qualities? How do I get to those divine qualities? Well, number one, you look into John chapter one and you see the nine divine qualities of Jesus Christ. Number two, you look into the word of God and you read from Matthew chapter 16, the five divine names associated with Jesus Christ. Now, you will never become the prayer person that you would like to. You will never get your prayers 
into the position that you would like to get them in until you come into the divine qualities of cooperation that come through the names of Jesus Christ. You'll never get your prayers where you want them to be. You'll live your Christian life in a frustrated, in a position where you can see there's more having no idea how to get there. Jesus turned to him and said, now I'm giving you, I'm giving you something. I'm going to place in your possession something. What is it, Pastor? I, and now watch this. He said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. What's he talking about there? Well, let's look at it. What do keys do? You come into this church. All of you are in here today. All of you. Every one of you are in here because somebody took a key and unlocked that door. Who did that this morning? Who unlocked the building this morning? Who did? Ted did. All of you are in here because Ted unlocked the door. None of you would have been in here until someone came with a key and opened the door. None of you would have been. Now I'm going to show you how significant that is in just a few minutes, so you hold on to that thought. Then... I will give you the keys, the possession of the access into something. What is he giving you the keys of access to? He called it the kingdom. Well, let me tell you what the kingdom is. It's the realm of royalty. That's what the kingdom is. The kingdom is the place where the king is the reigning ruler and master. So when Jesus said to Simon Barjona, I see you after your daddy. I want you to see me after my daddy. And my daddy is in the realm of the kingdom of which I am giving you access into the royal. Well, how was he going to do that? We can see what it was that we were to do on the way there. We can see what it was we were to do when we got there. Well, what was that, Pastor? He said, you will come into the realm of royalty, and there you will do two things. You will bind and you will loose. When you get into the realm of royalty, you will be able to loose Bind those things that are in the earth and see them as bound in heaven. You will loose those things that are in the earth and see them loosed in heaven. That will come from your access through a key into the realm of royalty. Now, why am I saying that? Because I'm telling you that there is a methodology of prayer. There is a way to get into the realm of royalty of which Jesus, through the mouth of Simon Barjona, has exposed to us that we have never seen, we have never listened to, we have never followed, we have never made as our access into the realm of royalty. Now, because of that, we are all stuck 
trying to live from the flesh. And the reason we are stuck there is because we have been programmed to believe that one glad morning when this life is over, Jesus is going to come and we're either going to raise from the dead or we're going to go to meet him in the air. And that's all there is to Christian living. The problem is, Jesus did not teach it that way. Jesus, now watch this because some of you are saying, well, no, wait a minute, Pastor. He was speaking specifically to the disciples. Those were the men that were there, and he was teaching them. He was telling them about this binding and loosing stuff. He was telling, and the book of Revelation says that those will be the 12 elders. So he was speaking to them. And you would be right. Of course, lest you read the text. Because in the text, the Bible declares that upon this rock, this boulder of a revelation, I will build my disciples. Is that what he said? He said, upon this rock of revelation, I will build my church. Now, many people would say that Peter defined to them the Messiah. Jesus didn't think so. Jesus did not think that when Peter identified him as Christ, he was identifying him to the Jews. Now, hold on, preacher man, what are you talking about? Well, if he had, he would not have brought the church into the picture. But Jesus did that. Jesus exposed the church, and he exposed the Gentiles in Matthew chapter 16. So when Jesus is speaking this language about the revelation of identification, that was to be followed by the revelation of cooperation. That would be your ability to have access into the royal realm. He was not speaking to the twelve nor was he speaking to the 120. He was speaking to all of those in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He was telling them that you have, if you identify correctly, the opportunity to cooperate with me and to be the power of God in the earth that has access to heaven so that you, the church, can bind and loose. You have that power. That's what the church is. But the church has gone into the saving business. We've gone into the let's get everybody saved business. Instead of living in the realm of royalty. Why? Because we don't know how to get there. We don't understand how to get there. Jesus has made it as plain as day. Now, Paul turned around, and I'm going to follow this message up with Paul, how Paul substantiated and agreed with that in the mouth of two, what Paul is going to tell us next week in Colossians is going to absolutely agree with what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 16. There are five things 
I told you this. Jesus Christ, the high priest, who is our Lord and our man in the Godhead. That is the process that Jesus has unfolded in Matthew chapter 16 for the church. But yet we still spend our time believing and thinking that the use of the name of Jesus is the sum total of what we need to do in prayer. And I'm telling you that Jesus did not teach it that way. He didn't do it. When he came out in Matthew, Mark chapter 16, he said, in my name. Well, in Matthew chapter 16, he showed us five different names. Now, we have a world that wants to come through the cross, and we must. There is no other way to God except that we come through the cross. We have a world that wants to stay there and never die to the flesh never understand that they are compelled by grace to die to the flesh. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and I want you to hear this very clearly. Not only have we got a world that spends its life, a church, working diligently to get people saved, we have a world teaching grace in the wrong way. Can I show it to you? Now, you've heard me talk about the four phases of grace, but I want to show you something today. Did you know that Jesus Christ was named grace, according to John chapter 1? Did you know that in John 3.16, the Bible said, For God so loved the world that He gave, He gave, He gave His only begotten Son. What was His only begotten Son's name? Well, it was grace. What was His name? Grace. Who said so? I didn't. John did. Why did John say that? Because John's whole book is about the revelation of the divine qualities of Jesus Christ. That's what the book of John, the gospel of John is about. So John saw him as grace. John heard Jesus say, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Paul turned around in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and said, for by grace, for by grace, who in the world is grace? What is grace? Well, we have convinced the world it's unmerited favor. We have convinced the world that grace simply means the unmerited favor of God. That tells the world, and I stood in a Coca-Cola bottling plant witnessing to a young man one time, when I began to talk to him about the Lord, and I said, you know, you need to be saved because Jesus is going to come one of these days. And he said, oh, I got saved when I was six years old. I said, you did. And he said, that's, I said, that's great. He cussed like a sailor. Everything that happened made him mad. And I said, well, that's a, that's a great thing. And he said, anyway, Mike, I've got, I'm living by grace. I said, you are? He said, yes, I am. He said, grace is my hall pass. I said, hall pass to what? He said, it's my hall pass to sin. I can sin all I want because of the grace of God. You see, we've indoctrinated people to think that grace is the unmerited favor of God. Now, I'm here to tell you today 
that grace is the name of Jesus Christ. That's how Paul, in the Word of God, saw him. He did not see him through the lens of a theologian. He did not see him through the lens of one that read the book and said, well, now we have to come up with a name for this word. What does grace mean? Because everybody wants to know what grace is. Well, then let's just call it the unmerited favor of God. Because he loves you so much that he's going to let you through grace Believe in Him and then forgive you of all of your sin. Every time you sin, He will forgive you. Well, I want to tell you something. For by grace, now I'm going to put this in a different lens for you today. Now I want you to just think about what I'm saying because you're going to see it through a different light. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. But it's the gift of God. Huh. Isn't that just interesting? For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? He gave a gift. What was the gift? The grace of God. Who was the grace of God? He was Jesus. Grace was Jesus. Now, for by grace are you saved. Who was the one who paid the penalty for your salvation? Who was the one who paid the price on Calvary's tree? Who was the one who shed his blood? Who was the one who went to the tomb? Who was the one who went to hell? Who was the one who was resurrected from the dead? Who was the one that sprinkled the blood in the tabernacle and became the high priest over his own sacrifice? Who was the one who God named our Lord? And who was the one who was seated at the right hand of God? Well, we know him as Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our God. But God showed him to man as grace. God showed him to man his grace and said, if you will believe on what he did, he is your grace. Now we look at this unmerited favor issue and we look at free sin and we look at the fact that God loves me so much that even if I stumble, even if I don't attend church, even if I don't pray, even if I don't read the Word of God, if I ever got saved, if I ever got baptized, I'm all right. God's going to send Jesus Christ back one day and the trump is going to sound. The eastern sky is going to split. The voice of God is going to be heard and I'm going to go with Him because I'm holding God to grace. Are you? Because if you're holding God to grace, you're holding God to what was accomplished on the cross. You're holding God to what Jesus Christ did. You're holding God to the standard of holiness that brought about the promises of God that raised Jesus from the dead. You're holding God to the standard of grace that causes sin to die and the flesh to be left in the tomb and sin to be buried in hell. And you're holding God to the sprinkling of blood in the tabernacle that makes by force you dead to sin. Oh, doesn't that put grace in a different world? Doesn't that change everything about grace? Because by what Jesus did, grace is exposed. 
Because of what Jesus did, holiness is exposed. Because of grace that's not of yourself. Now watch it. It is a gift. Who was the gift? His name was Jesus Christ. So if you're ever going to come into cooperation with God, you're going to have to come into cooperation with Him through the divine attribute of grace. If you're ever going to get into the royal realm, into the keys of the kingdom, you're going to have to come in through Him as grace. You're going to have to come through Him by faith in His work of atonement and redemption. You're going to have to come by grace into His work of righteousness. You're going to have to be made something that you could not be because grace, Jesus Christ, did something for you that you could not do for yourself. Hmm. Boy, that changes everything, doesn't it? That's a completely different perspective. That's a completely different view. Someone said, well, now, Pastor, it's still unmerited favor. Oh, yes. It is just not unmerited ability to sin. It is not unmerited ability. What did the Word of God say about this? It said that whenever we live that way, we do what? We crucify Him afresh. When we don't understand how to cooperate with the divine attributes of the person of Jesus Christ, we spend our days crucifying Him afresh. We crucify Him. Is that acceptable? Is that holy? Is that pleasing? Is that offering our spiritual sacrifices, as Peter said? How can we cooperate with holiness when we live unholy? How can we cooperate with holiness when our mind and our intellect are on the things and the rudiments of the world? Paul said in Colossians chapter 3 that we were to change our mind. We were to begin to set our affections on things above. Jesus looked at them and said, this is where the church will live in me. He said, the church will have a key to the realm of royalty. Now I have to ask you this morning, are you living in the realm of royalty? Are you living in the realm of royalty? Now listen to what I'm about to say. Or are you living in the realm of the cross? What do you mean? What do you say? The realm of royalty is the realm of victory. Jesus said, I've been in the world and I have overcome the world. That's a realm of victory. The cross, in and of itself, is a realm of defeat. 
Because there, Jesus died. And the enemy, the spiritual world, looked as if they had won. Of course, we know that Paul said in Colossians chapter 2 that had they known what they were doing, they would have never done it. But it looked like they had won. There in the cross we find forgiveness. There in the cross we find the catalyst of physical and spiritual healing. Now, not until Jesus becomes the high priest, the Lord, and the man in the Godhead, do we see the stripes that were placed upon his back for healing manifested. Because in his high priesthood, which he has identified for us in Matthew chapter 16, we see the covering. What is the covering for, Pastor? Well, when we go up the lampstand, we can see why. We can see that in the lampstand, there is purity, there is holiness, there is oneness. There are the seven spirits of God. There is the word of God which performs. There is the anointing. There is the light, Jesus Christ. There is the fire of the Holy Spirit, which draw. now watch this now, which draws all men unto Jesus Christ. What do they do? They worship. Where do they worship from the word of God? How are they educated through the seven spirits of God? What are they educated concerning the, the redemption of God? And what do they become? The righteousness of God. We see it all in the first article, in the first piece of furniture. We see it all right there. What we are to be gives us the ability to go to the lamps, to the table of showbread. In the table of showbread, we see the cross, the body, and the blood. Why do we see that? Because in the cross, the body, and the blood, we're able to ingest what was done into our body, take it into us in the bread and the blood, and we are now covered. See, that's what the tabernacle, <coughs> that's what the high priest has done for us in the tabernacle. He has covered us. He has covered you. What has he covered you by? Himself. Himself. Now, how did he cover you? By grace. How do we know that? Because he said, my grace is sufficient. Now, whose grace was it? Well, it was... The grace of Jesus Christ. How did it belong to him? Because it was who he was. It's who he was. Now then we go to the altar of incense. And there we find faith. Not until we find grace. Can we appropriately use faith. Not until we understand grace. Can we appropriately use faith? For by what? Grace. Are you what? Saved. By what? Faith. You can never use faith appropriately until you find... What am I saying? You'll never understand the revelation of cooperation until you identify grace correctly. 
You will never identify grace correctly until you recognize who he is. He is Jesus Christ, your high priest, who has covered you. He is your Lord who controls you. And there he is your man in the Godhead who through the Holy Spirit convinces you by communicating to you. That is the revelation of cooperation. That every individual, man, woman, boy, and girl, must understand if they are to follow the pattern that was created, that Paul said, be ye imitators or followers of me as I do what? Follow Christ. Bow your head and close your eyes. Lord, we desire today to be able to cooperate with you. We desire today to be able to put ourselves in understanding and in position where wisdom, knowledge, and revelation, understanding can flow through us so that we can not only be viable, but we can be prosperous in being health as our soul prospers. What does that mean, Father? Well, it means that our mind has to go through a great reset and a great renewal, and a great change. Our mind has to be given the opportunity to understand the free gift, who the gift was, why the gift was given, for what purpose was God giving you a free gift so that you can cooperate with him through binding and loosing, so that you can live holy, Father, we thank you for that today. I give you glory. Now, Father, as the word of God has come forth, I ask that everyone in this room, everyone in this building, would take evaluation of who they are, of how they operate, of whether their life is living in the realm of royalty or whether their life is living in the outer court. Because God, only the priests of God will live in the realm of royalty. Only those that understand the priesthood will live in the realm of royalty. Only those who have come into the holy place will live in the realm of royalty. And you will not get there, Father. We know that we will not get there unless we have been sanctified, purged, and cleansed. So, Father, today as they bow their head and they pray, I ask you to give us the ability, everyone, including me, to repent of any thought, any sin, any idea. Come under grace. Come under the full view of Jesus Christ. Not the full group view of unmerited favor, but the full view of the price that he paid. The full view of the price, the scourging, the cutting, the ripping, the body that was not able to be viewed, who became grace to us so that we could live unto you as righteous and holy people and cooperate with you. 
and to live a life prospering because our mind has been not only healed but changed so that our soul can not only know that it is covered, but it is controlled. Not only controlled, but made to be convinced and by the communication that flows from our man in the Godhead. We repent, Father. Stand today and lift your hands and let's receive it. Father, we thank you today for receiving the word of God. We raise our hands today, Father, to say we surrender. We surrender our doctrines, our theology. We surrender it. We give it up. We surrender things that we have read and heard that have led us into faulty understanding about truth. We receive today Him who is grace. We receive Him who is the grace of God that is a gift so that we can communicate by faith so that we can hear and be controlled, covered, communicated to. Be cooperating with your spirit. We receive it today, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, God, we receive it today. We take it today. Because it belongs to us, Father. It's a gift you gave to us. Not just the gift of Jesus, but the gift of grace. The gift of absolute grace. That brings us in to the truth about His divine qualities and attributes that we can apply to our lives so that we can come into the image of your dear Son. I take that today. I receive the image of Jesus Christ, my High Priest who covers me, my Lord who controls me, my man in the Godhead who convinces me by communicating to me through the Holy Spirit. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Thank you, Father. Those of you that are listening to me, if you don't know Jesus as Savior, He's your grace mechanism. He's your man who was the divine quality of grace. Receive Him today. How do you do it? Believe. Believe in what He did. Believe. Simply believe in the works that He has accomplished. Pray with me. Father, forgive me my sins. I receive today grace. I receive Jesus who is the grace of God. I take him into my life. By grace through my faith I receive the gift. The gift of liberty and freedom. The gift out of captivity. And the gift into a relationship with you. I take it. Thank you for it. Amen and amen. Those of you that are out there that know Christ today, I want to challenge you to place yourself in a pattern of prayer that imitates Him and looses the cooperation that you can have in prayer to see God do for you what it is that you're seeking. 
you'll have to come into the understanding of who he is, that he has covered you in his priesthood. He controls you through his lordship. He speaks to you through his man in the Godhead. And there he communicates to you to convince you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Receive that today and be free. It belongs to you because it's what Jesus did for you. God minister to everyone today as they hear the truth of the word of God. May your word be true and every man a liar. We'll give you praise for it in the lovely name of Jesus. Christ our Lord, our high priest and our God. Father, bless your people. I pray that you will be with them greater than ever this week. I pray that the word of God will minister in them, flow in them, and be a presence in them. That peace and encouragement and prosperity will surround their week. May they seek you. May they hear you. May they understand that there is a revelation of cooperation, but they must have the revelation of identification in order for that to come to pass. Bless them, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. amen.